0: I mean, I think that that reflects the attitude of uh, the ANC and, and many senior officials towards the electorate, that they uh, have a, a right to uh, to, to govern um, and the electorate, they they are the, the natural expression of the will of the people. We often hear that, that phrase. Um, but in an electoral democracy, you need to make your case to the electorate. You need to say, this is what we're going to do for you. And as... Those living standards have started to decline as growth is flatlined. Uh, People are starting to, I think, become very frustrated.
1: Hello, my name is Donald and welcome to the number one media company, Worldview. At Worldview, we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our world view. Today, we have back with us David Anzara. David is the Chief Operating Officer at the Center for Risk Analysis. So David, we've just had a historic local election where the ANC fell below 50%, I believe for the first time. From the results of this election, who would you say are the biggest winners and losers?
0: Well, Donald, I think one of the most striking aspects of this election is that there are no real clear winners per se. If you were a member of any one of the major political parties, I think you'd have cause to be somewhat disappointed by the results. Obviously, if you're a member of the ANC, I think you're going to be quite alarmed by that dip below the 50% threshold down to 46%. And when we speak about these election results, obviously, this is just the aggregation of all of the local government uh, results. So what really matters is at the municipal level in each particular municipality or metro, but nevertheless, if you add up all the votes, ANC is just on 46%, which is an historic low for the party, but uh, not very much better for the DA, I think they would be somewhat disappointed there, down to 22%, I think it was about 21.8% was their final figure, Um, so Uh, Many council seats lost, Uh, they retained their stronghold in the city of Cape Town, albeit with a reduced majority, Um, but lost Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, their their outright majority there. And uh, yeah, so they didn't have an outright majority, but they were the largest party, but they have now slipped back. Um, But I think this is an historic election in many respects, Donald, because I think it signifies A paradigm shift that is happening in South Africa. And in our post-election analysis, in our briefings, and in our reports, we have used the metaphor of a buffalo to describe where the ANC is at the moment. So imagine that you have this wise, grizzled old buffalo that has been dominating over the savannah for many, many years, decades, in fact, unchecked, unchallenged, in terms of its electoral dominance and there was always an assumption amongst the commentariat and analysts that one day a hungry young lion would come and challenge the supremacy of the buffalo and bring it down and so many of these commentators often scan the savannah looking and hope for this this new young lion but the lion never materialized never emerged but what instead we're finding and this local government election signifies this is the emergence of a pack of wild dogs that has come along and is threatening the supremacy of the old buffalo which is really on its last legs now and wild dogs uh, if they can coordinate their activities can be very powerful but they're also prone to fighting with one another uh, nipping at each other Um, but if they can get uh, And encircle this buffalo and uh, snipe at its heels and uh, tear at its flesh, it can actually uh, lead to the collapse of the the once mighty uh, dominant buffalo. So that's the metaphor that we've been using. I think it's a very useful lens with which to look at party politics post the November 1st elections.
1: Mm. And I think another analogy perhaps would be to say people were looking for a Nelson Mandela 2.0. And your your wild dog analogy, yeah, it's it's a perfect example of its coalitions that are going to probably end the ANC. It's not a Nelson Mandela or a one party that's going to arise to strike the death blow. But with one of those chief wild dogs, would it be Action Essay? It seems like they have got a lot of traction in a place like Houteng. Uh, Dr. has actually predicted in 2024 that they will be the second largest party. Do you think Action SA will be a real champion or a real opposition in 2024?
0: So Action SA is the newest dog in the pack. uh, And Herman Mashaba has a brand profile, the name recognition that I think other politicians perhaps lack particularly in the city of Joburg. And I think what was very effective about what Mashaba and Action SA did was focus on six municipalities in which they contested. Most of its energies were focused on Ghateng. And we at the Center for Risk Analysis have long advised that there exists in South Africa a broad sentiment, which you could perhaps call center-right or socially conservative, which hasn't really found expression in a, in a formal way. Uh, in terms of party support. So the ANC is very socialist and nationalist in its orientation and uh, because of the liberation dividend also for at least the first uh, couple of decades uh, essentially building up to around uh, 2007, ANC was able through accelerated service delivery uh, the improvement of the lively. Of the living conditions of ordinary South Africans to shore up a big electoral support that has been declining as many of its uh, policy direction has, has turned again to to the hard left. Um, but there has never really been a political home for what we would call black conservatives, um, and that's conservatives with a with a small c. People who tend to be are. Uh, quite religious, they want the best for themselves and their families, they're kind of generally sympathetic to business, and uh, to pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. And uh, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to find a political home in the existing political parties. But now we have someone like Herman Mashaba, uh, who is speaking that language, who's, uh, you know, saying that enough is enough with ANC service delivery failures, Uh, we need much more action, uh, less talk, Uh, And, you know, he himself comes from a very successful business background and is someone who also pulled himself up by his own bootstraps and is a self-made man. And and so I think that that personal profile, also some of his language around uh, immigrants in South Africa, uh, he's been, uh, you know, verging, I think, on on xenophobic dog whistling kind of uh, rhetoric which I think is potentially very dangerous. I think that there are many benefits to uh, immigration. Uh, I think that countries uh, do have a a right to determine who can come in, Um, but uh, immigrants tend to bring a lot of uh, skills, capital, uh, economic opportunities. It's not a zero sum. But putting that aside, I think that uh, Mr. Mashaba is tapping into something. The fact that he got uh, about 16% uh, in the city of Joburg, I think, is testament to that and so now he's going to be playing a very key kingmaker role and as we're recording on uh tuesday the 16th of, of november uh there's uh, coalition negotiations ongoing but i think what's really exciting about this is that now we're seeing real competitive democracy in action we've had this single-party dominance system for a long time this hegemon of the anc really being uh, essentially the only game in town uh, and You know, I think that this uh, heralds a new era of pluralism, political competition, and I think is also good for the opposition itself, and also for the DA, even though they went backwards in this election, there's some very promising signs in this new political realignment for them, which we can unpack a little bit later.
1: Absolutely. Another dark horse that might capture this uh, social conservative vote in 2024. What do you think of the chances of a person like Chief Justice, former Chief Justice?
0: Well, I'm not sure about the exact rules, but I have been told that uh, justices of the Constitutional Court are not allowed to run for high office. So I think that would require um, some significant rule changes. Um, I, look, I, I can't really speak to his intentions. I mean, he certainly seems to like the, the public limelight. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that that's probably a bit of a counterfactual. Um, just on your earlier question, though, Donald, you, are, you said that could Action SA become the second largest party in 2024? I think they've still got a long way to go. Um, but, you know, I think Mr. Mashaba is playing a long game. I think key to watch in 2024 would be Gauteng. So if Mashaba can leverage this opportunity to perhaps uh, gain significant advantage in, for example, the city of Joburg uh, in coalition with the DA, you could see the beginnings of uh, the potential to capture Gauteng in the provincial elections in 2024. And you know if the ANC can be brought down to below 50% in the national and provincial elections in 2024, that could open up uh, coalition scenarios as well at the national level. So I don't even think that Mishaband really needs to become the second largest party. As long as he has significant uh, support that he can then leverage in a kingmaker role, I think that would uh, be to his significant advantage. But look, it's still early days with Action SA. Let's not get too excited. COPE made a big splash in 2009. I think they got about 8% in that election and that uh, just fell apart. Uh, many people suggest because there were actual ANC saboteurs within its ranks. Um, there were personality conflicts as well. So the key would be, can you actually build a sustainable institutional apparatus around the personality of the, of the leader? Um, you don't want to be too dependent on the vagaries or the individual preferences of of one particular individual Um, so if you have significant other uh, politicians with a clean track record of governance and uh, and and credible support amongst key constituencies then you could start "Okay, this is becoming uh, much more of a of a a significant uh, structural presence in south africa's politics but i think uh, there's a long road ahead for action i
1: think perhaps there can be a conflict within the action essay between the so-called conservatives and the social democrats, because I I don't know if a lot of people in the action essay are as conservative as Irma Mashaba, especially on his immigration stance. But um, a person like Fakile Mbalula, the campaign manager for the ANC, he has said, and I found this quite arrogant of him to say on an ANC video, he has said the people who have stopped voting for the ANC in this election, they merely sent out a warning shot. They love the ANC, but they're going to come back in 2024. Isn't it a common conception that if people stop voting, that they they will be very reluctant to vote for that party again, especially if nothing changes?
0: Yeah, so Donald, I mean, I think that that reflects the attitude of... Uh, the ANC and, and many senior officials towards the electorate, that they uh, have a, a right to, uh, to, to govern. Um, and the electorate, they, they are the, the natural expression of the will of the people. We often hear that, that phrase. Um, but in an electoral democracy, you need to make your case to the electorate. You need to say, this is what we're going to do for you. And as those living standards have started to decline, as growth is flatlined, uh, people are starting to, I think, become very frustrated. But I think the the key question there is around voter turnout. And this was an historically low voter turnout for South African elections. Um, generally, the number of registered voters uh, tends to go up as the population increases. Uh, so we actually saw the number of registered voters go down. Uh, so essentially by around 100,000. It's now sitting at around 26 million registered voters. But the voter turnout um, was only 11.8 million voters. So that's a 45% turnout. That is by far the lowest voter turnout we've ever had. 2016, was about 57%. Um, and so you have to ask, why are people staying at home? And there were COVID concerns. There was the long weekend it was rainy in the western cape all of those factors matter i think no the shedding. broader the broader trend was that people are disaffected with the electoral process that they feel that their vote doesn't matter uh, that there's a lack of accountability in the system um, and that service delivery failures are ongoing the IEC itself uh, must share some of the blame here they tried to postpone the elections that went to the constitutional court that was knocked down by the court, They then only had one registration weekend uh, in the build-up to the elections to, to get uh, new voters in. Uh, so there wasn't the usual hype and build-up and marketing around registration, around voting day, et cetera. So all of these factors, COVID as well, combined, I think, to suppress voter turnout. And you know, that doesn't necessarily only uh, negatively impact the ANC, although it did significantly And we do see a difference in turnout between local government and national government elections. So we should expect that to be higher in the next election. It was very low already in the the last national election in 2019. So, you know, I think a lot will depend on on the turnout there. And if the current trends continue, particularly the economic trends, uh, I think we're going to see still a high degree of Uh, of apathy, and, you know, but if that group of people can be mobilized and excited to vote for a new entity, then we could see even bigger shifts in South Africa's politics. So our suspicion, although it's somewhat conjecture, is that a lot of historic ANC supporters are a bit reluctant to actively vote against the ANC, and they show their dissatisfaction by staying at home, because they still haven't quite brought themselves uh, to that point where they want to vote for another opposition party where they haven't been convinced, they still feel a, a sense of residual loyalty to the party. Um, but that group can be mobilized to support somebody else, like a Herman Mashaba, who did well in places like Soweto and Jewel City and other places like that in Joburg. And then you could see some very big and fundamental shifts happening in South Africa's politics.
1: Absolutely. Um, Do you know uh, percentage-wise how many people voted for the ANC in this election, like of the entire South Africa? I believe in the previous interview you said that in two thousand nineteen, about twenty-six percent of the entire South Africa voted for the ANC.
0: Uh, Donald, I don't have those figures Uh, in front of me, unfortunately. But uh, you know, I think it's a a small fraction. But what I do have is so there's the the number of eligible voters. So that's anyone essentially over the age of eighteen. There are about forty million. In South Africa. Um, but again, uh, to repeat, there were only 11.8 million people who actually voted out of that 40 million who were eligible. So not everyone who's eligible actually registered. Um, so that's about 29.5% uh, of people above the age of 18 who voted. I, I don't have the calculations there for how that reflected in terms of A and C support, but it's obviously a very tiny, tiny fraction.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think one can easily say they've gotten way less than 26% this time around uh, from the entire South Africa. Um, so
0: some other some other stats here. So ANC aggregate support uh, in the last election, 2016, the last local government election was 53.9%. Um, and so that's gone down to 45.6%. The number of people who voted for the party in 2016 for the ANC, it was 16 million last time in 2016. It's now 10 million. They lost 6 million votes. Look,
1: you know, you know the general
0: turnout, as we just discussed, was very low. Um, but I think that tells you something. They, they went down um, from 176 councils that, in which they were leading to 167. And, and um, yeah, they basically lost about 600 council seats across the country went down by about 11 percent in terms of the number of council seats so yeah really hemorrhaged quite badly there
1: so someone like uh, Dr. Franz Gronier, who you obviously know he likes to say that in each election so far you could always combine the ANC and the EF to support and you would get that 69 or 67 magical number but it seems like this time around that doesn't really work. The people who didn't vote for the ANC, they, they stayed home or they voted for an alt, uh, different party. So it seems like the EFF has finally reached the ceiling. Would that be accurate to say?
0: Well, the EFF was the only party of the three major parties that grew, albeit modestly, they grew by 2%. So they're at 10%. But we consider the EFF and the ANC to be part of the same political tradition, the Charterist tradition, if you will. And uh, the, the EFF is essentially uh, almost like a, a, a splinter of the ANC. Uh, it's the old ANC Youth League, but for branding and strategy purposes decided to, to go on its own. But your point is very important. Together, the ANC and the EFF, the, the Charterists, are only now at about 56%. So if you had to extrapolate that out to the national level, that has significant implications, particularly given uh, the uh, EWC debate. Uh, If uh, you had to replicate these support levels at the national level, that would mean that they wouldn't be able to pass uh, certain constitutional changes that require two-thirds majorities. Uh, Their legislative agenda would be frustrated in general. So I think that what's very interesting is that support for the socialist African nationalist kind of orientation of policies is waning in South Africa. That's just not resonating with the electorate. And so this broad opposition block, so the other parties, the small parties, they got about 21%, the DA got 22%. So that's over 40% now of 43% of parties. I beg your pardon, 43% of support for parties that are not the EFF and not the ANC. So you can consider the EFF almost like the small calf of the, of the buffalo. Um, and so those wild dog parties, uh, they come from very different kinds of ideological backgrounds. They represent different kinds of constituencies, uh, So and also often very localized issues. Um, so if you consider, for example the um, Patriotic Alliance uh, that tends to be supported by uh, colored vote voters. Um, they did very well in Eldorado, Eldorado Park, in, in Joburg, uh, in the Western Cape, in a number of small municipalities. Interestingly enough, they seem to be cozying up uh, a little bit with the ANC. So it's not a guarantee that all of the wild dogs are actually gonna cooperate with one another. But to cooperate with the ANC, in these conditions, I think, is a grave strategic error. You might gain some short-term advantage by collaborating in some dusty Dorp somewhere in the rural Western Cape. Um, But long-term, that's going to be to your detriment. Uh, So in our analysis, we think this is an incredible opportunity for the wild dog parties uh, to really come together. You can be an evangelical Christian who supports the ACDP. You can be a traditional Uh, Zulu voter who supports the the IFP Uh, you could be a classical liberal who supports the DA Uh, maybe uh, your sense of uh, identity as an Afrikaans person you feel that uh, the freedom front plus represents uh, your interests and your right to speak the language of your choosing or what have you Um, whatever your motivation is uh, you can safely cast your vote uh, for your your party of your choice but the, the real challenge is the ANC's misgovernance at the moment. And so strategically, those opposition parties uh, have a, a strong burden of responsibility to, to put aside some of their egotistical differences, perhaps their ideological differences, and, uh, and coordinate their activities. A very interesting historical example was something I did my master's thesis on, which was single party dominance and its decline in India the Congress Party of India for three decades, 1947 to 1977, was the dominant political actor. Also, uh, had uh, socialist economic policies, very protectionist industrial policy. Uh, um, Nehru was the uh, kind of founding father of of the Congress movement. He was very close with Mahatma Gandhi, and that liberation dividend was very strong. Um, But as Congress Party started to collapse and, and, and unwind, the very first uh, election where they were defeated was a kind of a rainbow coalition of all these different types of parties. It didn't last very long, only about 18 months, that, that new multi-party government, but it broke that sense of invincibility uh, that the Congress Party had. And fast forward to today, Congress is a shadow of its former self. The BJP is now the dominant political entity there. India's politics is still very fragmented and chaotic um, but very competitive as well. So I think what we're moving towards is is I really think that this is going to be the last time where we see one party getting more than 50%. Um, you might get in the high 40s or the low 40s or even in the 30s. but this greater fragmentation I think we very I, I think very unlikely to see, one party getting the majority of all votes in South Africa in the future, just given the makeup of our society and the various different constituencies and interests that we have. And I think that's a very good thing.
1: Mm. It seems like um, on the talk of coalitions that Ramaphosa is not really willing to do a coalition with the EFF. Can it be attributed to the fact that perhaps they figured out that because they were trying to to focus on EFF policies that that is why they were punished and perhaps that is not the way to go
0: well look it's going to be very difficult for Mr Ramaphosa to go on an investor roadshow or host an investor conference conference and say confidently that this is an investment friendly destination if behind the scenes he's in a coalition with the EFF which espouses radical Uh, marxist leninist policies of expropriation and nationalizing the reserve bank and and all those other uh, crazy policies that they put forward um so i think that that he would be keenly aware of the perception that that would create um and you know also throw it open to the other side would the eff uh, be interested in tethering itself to this party that is kind of on the decline that's At a loss for uh, how to improve the circumstances of of South Africans, that uh, has kind of run out of ideas um, and is on its way down. Uh, They might think better to to go it alone as the EFF rather than attach themselves. Do you think that is?
1: Sorry, do you think that's why they basically made impossible conditions to to go in a coalition with the ANC? Well, look, I mean, I think
0: they're going to want to leverage any support that that they can uh utilize at the local level in order to achieve their broader national goals particularly around ewc um, there's a bit of a stalemate in parliament at the moment over this issue of custodianship um but yeah i think in many ways if you you set these impossible uh, aspirations these um these supposedly non-negotiables then uh, then maybe that is intentional I, I don't know, I can't read the minds of the EFF strategists, but perhaps that is that is some, something that they are considering, that put impossible conditions on the table, and then uh, and when the talks break down, then you can just point your fingers to your opponents. But yeah, you know, I think the key areas to watch are going to be Ikuruleni, Itaquini, the EFF did pretty well there uh, in both of those places. Um, so will the ANC and EFF be able to collaborate i think that'll be a very interesting test case to see if you know their shared ideological uh, leanings uh, do translate into a cooperation at the local government level i think that'll be a very telling indicator of, of where sentiment lies uh, within both parties.
1: David what do you think of these coalition agreements that the EFF has proposed where essentially the ANC takes Ikaruleni, e- EFF takes Twane, and Action SA takes Johannesburg. Isn't that very undemocratic, especially if like only 10% of the people voted for the EFF in Twane?
0: Yeah, I think it's it shows again the attitude of the EFF to the electorate, that support is basically something that is uh, your, your divine right and you can uh, not really care too much about uh, the mandate that you get from the electorate, uh, that power is just something to be bargained and fought over with your opponents. Um, I I don't think that the EFF really uh, fully embodies a a democratic spirit. It's a highly centralized uh, militant organization um, that is pretty ruthlessly organized. And I I don't really think that uh, fundamentally it is a democratic party. I think it is uh, a highly centralized and self-professed marxist leninist organization uh, with a very radical agenda which sees democratic institutions as instruments for advancing its own uh, power interests rather than uh, goods in and of themselves um so yeah i think you're absolutely right i think it shows a, a contempt for the democratic process and uh, yeah i think also quite um Yeah, quite arrogant to assume that, you know, if you've got 10% of the votes in 20, that you can then uh, take the mayoralship on that very slim mandate. So, yeah, I think, overall, the EFF, I think, would also be disappointed by this election, I think, um, given the media profile that they've had, and uh, their ability to uh, kind of dictate terms in Parliament with the ANC and EWC, I think they would be uh, somewhat disappointed by this showing, even though they made some gains in in places like Keralini and Itaquini.
1: It's probably safe to say that Johannesburg and Pretoria or Swane will go to this new coalition talks that have been set up by the Freedom Front Plus, the coalition between the Freedom Front Plus, Action SA, the Democratic Alliance, and a small number of uh, smaller parties. Yeah, I'm
0: not sure why the media reporting Emphasized Freedom Front Plus there. Um, I'm sure they're playing uh, an active role. But I suspected that perhaps there was a way of uh, some elements of the media delegitimizing uh, these new broader coalitions. Um, And yeah, look, I think uh, there will be a lot of horse trading. I mean, we were very critical a moment ago uh, of the EFF, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of similar kinds of bargaining. uh, You know, you'll take Twana, we'll take Joburg uh, kind of discussions. Um, happening there as well um but yeah i mean i think those those parties together perhaps have a larger mandate um and uh and arguably that could be more justifiable but um you know i think something to bear in mind donald is that i don't think service delivery is necessarily going to improve dramatically under these coalitions um many people might say well uh, the effects of anc misgovernance are so pronounced that even um a very unstable coalition uh, could only do better but you know you also I think going to see a lot of problems with uh, lack of capacity Um, bear in mind also that a number of civil servants who work in these city administrations are deployed cadres of the ANC Um, they're going to be very keen to keep their patronage channels open Uh, it's going to be difficult to enforce accountability performance metrics and so on. Um, governments are going to collapse at a moment's notice some will be very unstable might even see uh, by elections triggering the fall of a a government new elections being called it's going to be very uh, chaotic and unstable but i think these are transitory pains Uh, south africa is going to have to get used to managing and dealing with coalitions and this is all part of
1: a maturing democracy such as ours. um so, if I, I know Ramaphosa's position is, if they can't cobble together a coalition, he wants to hold more elections in these areas where they can't get a coalition going with one of the smaller parties. Can't that keep on going indefinitely? Right. I mean, if you if you don't have a coalition in the second election, um, will he will he hold a third election, a fourth election? When is it going to stop?
0: So, I think the person to ask about that would be my colleague Maurice Ruet, uh, who's much more of an elections nerd than I am. I think, I, I think you can hold um, uh, by-elections if you aren't able to form a government. Uh, also, one tool that the ANC might use is uh, taking cities under administration, uh, particularly opposition-held cities. And we saw this in Trane with the DA uh, minority government there. Um, and the DA actually went to, to court to reverse that decision. Um, so that was when the provincial administration took over essentially the running of the of the city. So there's going to be a lot of dirty tricks uh, like that, and I think that that is a constitutional provision. So I think uh, some legal minds are going to have to apply themselves to uh, when is that legitimate um, uh, to 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 do that, and when not. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the ANC attempts to do that to try and. Uh, get new mandates on an ongoing basis when the results don't suit them
1: yeah well uh, thank you David for your wise and thorough analysis Um, any last words anything you want to say before we end the show well Donald
0: I think uh, many of your viewers might already be familiar with our channel the CRA channel we have uh, videos every weekday morning at 7 a.m so that's clips of our webinars interviews with outside experts and also Uh, short pieces of analysis with our own uh, cra staffers so do check that out i've also got a podcast uh, which is every sunday morning called solutions with david and sarah where i have more in-depth conversations with uh, leading thinkers about how to solve some of the world's most intractable problems so uh, i'm sure you'll put a link up to those as well but yeah anytime you want to have me on i'll be i'll be happy to share my insights with you donald i really appreciate the conversation
1: yeah thank you so much david and to our viewers you've made i certainly enjoyed the content if you've made it this far please consider liking this video sharing it as widely as possible and subscribing to our youtube channel my name is donald and you've been watching Worldview.